it's me again. So, uh, I've got a lot going on here. Um, I have a messed up voice um, and nose from all the uh, seasonal allergies going around. <clears throat> so, I may sound a little off. I did take an allergy pill, but it takes forever to kick in. Um, I also have a little duckling by my side, um, so it might make some noise, uh, but just ignore that if you hear it. And, um, you know, I have big news. Uh, I caught a snapping turtle. So it, I was going out to get mail, and it um, appeared to be in the road facing towards our house. And I saw that it was heading towards our house, so I decided to get a trap out and catch it. And uh, the traps that we use uh, to catch wild animals, uh, they're have a heart traps. And um, what that is, if you don't know, is it's non-lethal. It's basically just a vessel to car safely carry the animal in until you can relocate it. And uh, due to circumstances, as they are of now, um, we are going to keep the animal overnight and then release it in the morning. So I took this trap and set it down in front of the animal. And then I uh, got a broom and I was very patient with it. I didn't really want to anger it or stress it out. So I just kind of stood behind it and it kind of looked at me, it looked over its uh, surroundings for a while, and then it started to move uh, in the direction of the trap. And basically I very carefully guided it with my broom uh, in inside of the, the trap. And uh, it really didn't like the broom, it snapped at the broom quite a bit and it, it startled me when it first did it because those things uh their jaws have so much force it, it uh, makes a sound when they chomp down it's very scary um but yeah uh, eventually i was able to trick it into going into the trap and i safely closed it in there and um it's uh it's staying in our garage right now until we can release it in the morning so, um, you know, I, I would love to uh, have this animal on our property. Uh, normally, I wouldn't uh, be opposed to it, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting animal. I think they're really neat. I love reptiles uh, and amphibians. Um, but, however, we have ducks and a geese outside, or a goose, sorry. And um, we, we have... Uh, this has happened before where the ducks are swimming on the lake and something will grab hold of their foot and uh, that's very dangerous because if they hold on long enough um, they could uh, bite off part of the foot or they could cause the duck to drown uh, because it, it like weighs, weighs it down and yeah. Uh, so that's very dangerous for our pet ducks um, who we let uh, stay outside on the lake, and, um, so yeah, uh, that's why I don't want it here. But if there were no, if we weren't, 
If we didn't have any animals and we weren't planning to for a very long time, I probably would have just let the snapping turtle uh, go into our lake. Um, but it has been an issue before where we had to very painstakingly, my husband and I, uh, lure a snapping turtle out of our lake and it took forever. We had a string, a piece of, a piece of string, and we tied a chicken bone or chicken leg to it and kept throwing it into the lake and kind of slowly dragging it back to kind of tease it. And we, we, it took very long, but we finally got it out. And, um, there were a few attempts there where it came to the surface only to turn back, turn around and, cause they're much faster in the water, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's basically the gist of that. But I mean, they're really cool. If you, if you ever see, if you're ever on a lake or a body of water and you see something kind of pop its head out of the water for a while, kind of like Nessie style, um, they don't have really long heads, but it's just like a little something coming up. You can notice it and then it goes back down. Um, that very well could be a snapping turtle. Um, and I, I wouldn't have known this um, if I hadn't have lived here, you know. But if you see something like that and you're, you're on the water, please don't get in the water because they are not afraid of humans and they're not afraid to bite off your toes or your, your skin, just give you a big gash or something nasty like that. And yeah, you definitely don't want to get cut in uh, the water like that with all the bacteria and stuff. And you don't want to lose your limbs either. So uh, yeah, please, please don't swim with the turtles. So yeah, he's going to be staying with us overnight, and then we're going to release him in the morning. So, you know, guys, uh, hashtag pray for Snappy, you know? Like, poor guy, he was just trying to do his own turtle thing, and then I had to go and catch him and uh, ruin his plans to take over our lake. So, please pray for Snappy. I just want to say this, he does have food. I gathered some red lettuce leaves from our garden and uh some leftover deli slices of meat that we had in the fridge and i uh tried to get it to turn around uh the turtle wouldn't turn around so i couldn't open the door because it's right by the door um and i don't want it to bite me or get out so i just had to kind of smush the food through the bars and let it fall down and uh, hopefully it will eat that. Alright, so we're going to read uh, number six, which happened to be Colors of Our Hearts by Needs More AU. This is a general audience's rating and strictly within Kingdom Hearts fandom. Now, if you forgot, here's the summary. Radiant Garden is finally back on its feet and is finally ready to host one of its most treasured celebrations, Pride. All of the Guardians of Light are invited, of course. All right, let's get started. Radiant Garden's really come a long way, hasn't it? Sora spun the wheel of the, of the console, tilting the ship as they came in for the descent. Outside the windshield, tall, uneven towers whizzed past, their windows boasting huge wreaths of flowers in every color of the rainbow, from the roofs with little flags with rainbow stripes fluttering in the wind. All of the bright hues almost made his eyes hurt. 
That just made him smile wider. It's so colorful, Kyrie exclaimed, pressed to the window of the gun gum gummy ship. Sorry. I'm not familiar with the world of Kingdom Hearts. Forgive me. Riku. Sora leaned back, tilting his chin up so he could look Riku in the eye. He realized his mistake when Kairi shrieked and reached over to yank the wheel. They narrowly dodged the building. He set his focus back on the controls. Of course, we were invited. I just don't want an angry duck yelling down my neck about world order, Riku muttered. Well, Kairi was keeping a much more careful eye on Sora's flying, making minute adjustments every now and then. I am a citizen of this world. He can't stop me. Did they have these kinds of festivals when you were a girl? Sora perked up at the reminder that this was where Kairi had grown up. I think so, but I don't remember them very well. Just that everything always looked so... She waved a hand in the technicolor at, to the de- technicolor decorations outside. Vibrant all over the city. Well, they certainly nailed that part, Riku smiled. Sora carefully maneuvered the ship onto the brick landing strip that had been cleared just for them, which helped ease some of Riku's doubts. He loved Sora to pieces, but he could disregard almost any rule if it stopped him from visiting from visiting friends. Once when they were kids, he'd snuck out of his house and climbed up two stories of ivy to visit Kairi when she was homesick with the flu. The three of them ducked out of the ship, hand in hand, Across the way, a tall girl dressed in pink waved at them. She rushed over, the basket nestled in the crook of her arm, bouncing with every step. Sora! She skittered to a stop, but kept rocking back and forth on her toes, like she couldn't hold still. I'm so glad you made it! Aerith, it's great to see you, and Radiant Garden, in general, is looking awesome these days. Sora gestured around at the streamers and flowers that decorated every lamppost. Aerith gave a happy little bow. Thank you. The committee's been working so hard. It's almost like the old days. Her brilliant green eyes widened. Oh, and you haven't even met our newest member yet. With a quick turn, she cupped her hands around her mouth and yelled, Zack! A head of spiky black hair poked out of a nearby store. You rang? Yes, everyone. This is Aerith stuck a pose, arms extended in a classic ta-da gesture. Zack, he recompleted just after you, your last visit, Sora. Hi, guys. Zack hopped out onto the street, giving a friendly salute. Zack trained an Olympus on Olympus when he was a kid, Aerith bragged. Whoa, really? Sora asked. Geez, the Coliseum training is brutal. One time when I was there, a guy with a black wing and huge sword almost killed me. There was an awkward beat of silence. Riku cleared his throat. So, Aerith, is this the first public festival since the world got back on its feet? Pretty much. She tucked a strand of hair behind her ear, also clearly wanting to move on. We've had a few minor celebrations here and there, but this is our first big citywide holiday. A small smile lit up her face, and definitely our first one with off-world guests. So, this festival, Kyrie butted in. What even is it? Sora was kind of fuzzy on the details. It was a traditional holiday back when we were a whole world, Aerith explained. It's a day for the celebration of love, especially between couples that are the same gender, and it's also a celebration of gender in general and people who live truer to themselves through it. 
Oh, so it's kind of like the Valentine's celebration back on the islands, Sora commented. He leaned on Kyrie, remembering glittering lanterns and deserts baked with papau and stargazing with her and Riku. It's a yearly festival of romance, Riku explained. Aerith thought for a moment, then nodded. Kind of, but a little more specialized. There was a whole string of similar holidays on Olympus, Zack offered. There was the Day of Artemis. For people who didn't want romance, the Day of Her Hercules, which celebrated men who loved other men, and the Day of Dionysus, for people who were born the wrong gender. Zack was our historical consultant. He used to go to a lot of these back in the day. Ah, don't lay it all on me. I always get come... I Sorry. I always just come to support Cloud. He did more of the work in setting this up. Cloud's here? Sora brightened. It had been a long time since he'd seen the broody sellsword. Yeah, he was a huge help. He and Zack really spearheaded the whole thing. I just did the, the decorations. Aerith rummaged in the basket at her elbow. Flower? I'll take one, Riku offered. He eyed the selection before him, before choosing a cluster of soft orange blossoms. Aerith looked him over, then at Kyrie, who was still cuddled against Sora. She politely coughed. So, Sora, are you going to introduce me? Oh, right, this is Kyrie, my girlfriend. Nice to meet you. Aerith grinned and gave a little wave. And Riku, my boyfriend. Aerith's brows furrowed at that. It was like something he'd said confused her. Sora took a deep breath. They'd rehearsed the speech. On the islands, it wasn't so unusual. Couples that weren't, too. But with all the traveling they did, on all the worlds they visited, people kept giving them odd looks, like they couldn't comprehend it when Sora told them. Yeah, he's my boyfriend and she's my girlfriend, and I love both of them, and they love each other and also me, so it's kind of like what you're probably familiar with. There's just three of us. Oh, did I make a face? Her hand flew around, waving an apology. I'm sorry. It wasn't that, I swear. It's just she buried her face in Zack's arm. He chuckled, patting her on the back. I think she was just a little confused when you said boyfriend, he said. Aerith, having collected herself, turned back to them, her smile tentatively coming back. Right, I should have realized that you all weren't familiar with some of the niche traditions. See this flower? She pointed at the flowers in her basket, at the one that Riku had picked. On days like this, you wear it in your hair, symbolizing who you are. The orange means girl, the purple means boy, and the yellow is something that isn't either. See? She spun around, showing off the orange blossoms that were delicately woven into her braid. Zack grinned and displayed his own purple corsage. Oh! Riku glared down at the orange flower he was clutching. Guess it isn't me, is it? Aerith smiled. So, so after this time. Only if you want it to be. Oh no, Riku snorted. He put the little flower back in Aerith's basket. Then he raised a fist, thumping it against his chest and the binder he wore under his shirt. I figured that when I was like seven, Kyrie ducked under his arm, collecting a handful of orange and two handfuls of purple. Humming to herself, she expertly started weaving, twisting, and twining the stems. What about you two? She asked as she worked her eyes 
As she worked, her eyes flicked to Aerith and Zack. It was hard to make the flowers behave without a surface to lay them on, so she'd scrambled up a small stone wall and was sitting on top, weaving in her lap. Are you the kind of people this festival is for? Aerith rocked back on her heels again. I try not to think about love and shades like that. The planet sees everyone equally, a thousand blazing lights that connect regardless of anything. The life force doesn't distinguish based on shape or size or birth. The very ground beneath your feet doesn't even begin to comprehend the labels and words we give ourselves, the same way that we could not understand the words it would use to describe itself if, I try if it tried. It loves everyone, equally. I guess I'm kind of the same, too. Oh, so you're Pan, Sora exclaimed. Aerith smiled. I suppose. I'm Pan, he told her. Kyrie too. From her perch, Kyrie briefly stopped her work to throw up a quick peace sign. I'm stealing that. Seeing everyone as their lights, she held up the flowers, which she'd woven into a perfect circlet. It describes it so well. I'm by, Riku blurted out. Kyrie dropped a kiss onto the crown of his head, nestling his flowers in amongst his silver locks. A cute bye. Stop! He scrunched his nose at that adorable way he did when he was embarrassed, just, which just caused Sora to swoop in and steal his own smooch. Zack, could I get your help with some idiots on 3rd Street? A familiar voice caught, called out from around the corner. They're complaining about the public square being used like this and are trying to... Anything else he was saying was absolutely lost to the islanders as Cloud Strife walked onto the scene. The last time Sora had seen Cloud, it had been just after the Battle of a Thousand Heartless. He'd been battered down, dressed in what looked like the castaways from a second-hand goth store. Now he walked down the street in a beautiful black and blue ball gown. The buster sword was still slung over his back, and he'd kept that singular shoulder pauldron he was so attached to, although polished so it matched the outfit. But everything was brand new, Cloud, from the shiny combat boots to the expert dustings of makeup across his face. His blonde hair was parted into two braids, tied with ribbons and a smattering of those flowers from Aerith's basket. A mixture of purple and yellow. Cloud, you look... Sora struggled to reconcile the person before him with the serious dark brooder he'd met at the Colosseum. Great. Yes, I do. Nice to see you. Okay, there he was. Cloud rounded on his colleague. Zack, Third Street? I'm coming, I'm coming. Someone did bother to... Someone did bother to inform you during all these planning meetings... Sorry, planning meets. That this is a celebration? Fine. Cloud rolled his eyes, but turned back to Sora. Sora, thanks for all your help. Before. I'm glad you're here. You too. He nodded at Riku and Kairi. I'm looking forward to getting to know you later. His spine loosened a little, and he leaned back, turning to his friends with a small smirk. Now, Aerith, apparently Zack wants to sit around and make pleasantries. So could I get some actual muscle to play, Bouncer? On it. Hey, Zack called after the two retreating figures. Aerith turned around and grinned innocently. Then, with a wave, she summoned a silver-tipped quarter staff and bounded off after Cloud. The second the pink and purple duo turned the corner, 
Kairi and Riku turned to stare at Sora. You didn't say he was hot, she yelped. I mean, I guess. Now that Sora was sure, it was still the old cloud, just a bit more polished. He really couldn't see why his partners were acting like this was world-shattering. Sora, don't be all high, mighty, and demi on us. That guy was attractive, Riku tell him. He was very pretty, Riku muttered. Zack laughed languidly, stretching his arms over his head. Yep, our cloud is a soldier of many talents. He stood for just a second, then looked nervously down the street. I better go make sure Aerith doesn't actually kill anyone. You three enjoy the festival. Kyrie plopped Sora's crown down on his head. Hers had turned out a little too big, falling down on into her eyes, but she just pretended it was on purpose. So, what do we do now? She asked. Riku shrugged. Just walk around, I think. I'm sure we'll find some cool things. Like those boots. Sora pointed across the square to tents and tables festooned with color. He linked arms with the two of them. Come on. They made their way over to the small pop-up pop market, which delightfully seemed to sell only everyday objects in bright colors. Guys, look, they have rainbow everything. Kairi marveled, picking up a scarf with glass-beaded tassels. I want the rainbow socks, Sora announced. Sora, you don't even wear socks. So, they're rainbow, I'm getting them. He marched over to the cellar. They all ended up leaving with something. Sora got his socks. Kairi found a parasol that she loved the weight of on her shoulder. It made her feel so fancy. Riku didn't think he would want anything that could get him mistaken for a tropical bird, but the soft pastels of a collection of bracelets, one for each color of the rainbow, suited him perfectly. They wandered the stalls until Kairi... Staring up at her new purchase as she twirled it around, spotted the familiar shapes in the sky. Look, gliders, she pointed. They raced back over to the pad where they'd parked their gum gummy ship, just in time to see four sets of keyblade armor lift off their helmets. How was the ride over, guys? Sora asked. It was all right, Aqua frowned a little as she st stored her armor. Somewhere shortly after breaking atmosphere, a certain passenger decided to get very vocal. Keyblade gliders are dumb. Vanitas had apparently decided to switch from speaking in growls to teenage grumbling. He messed with his hair. He messed with his hair as he complained, "You should have let me just dark corner over. Save me the road trip with you light infested flea bags. Don't worry, it's how he shows affection." Ventus smiled as he collapsed his keyblade armor. Immediately, he ran forward to give Sora a big, shockingly bone-crushing hug, of which Sora was more than happy to return. The other keyblade masters and Vanitas made their way over as well, if a little slower. Kairi, Riku, it's lovely to see you again, Aqua smiled and gave each of them a small bow of her head. Sora, too, once Ven stops strangling him. It's good to see you, too, Aqua. How's everything back at the castle? It's all right, Tara spoke up as he changed his keyblade back to normal, then dismissing it. Though we're not seeing much of it, with how hard we've, we're working. Then consider this a well-timed vacation, Sora said, as he broke free of his old heart resident. Come on, we were just about to shop flags. Head, heads up, idiots, 
Vanita snorted. Van, what? Oh my light, every, everyone move. Ventus grabbed Aqua and Terra and leaped out of the growing shadow that was slowly engulfing the landing pad. A lowercase s shadow. The kind of shadow one might expect from a small, personal gummy ship, making its descent to an already very cramped landing pad. And the pilot wasn't able to properly maneuver around the loiterers who were foolishly standing in the middle of it, and thusly just had to park slowly and hope everyone moved in time. They all did, and Vanitas was laughing harder than he had in a, in a long while. The cockpit hissed open, and a blonde girl dressed in a snappy cream suit stuck her head out. Sorry! Namine called out. I didn't land on anyone, did I? Yeah, Riku drawled. You killed Sora. The worlds are doomed without him. No! Sora wailed, and sank to the ground. Acting weak, he stretched an arm out to his partners. Kairi, Riku, avenge me! Namine made a show of putting her hand to her ear and listening for everyone to, for, for anyone else to speak up. No one important? Great. Hey, Sora protested from his place on the floor. Behind her, Leah walked out of the ship, rubbing an apparent crick in his neck. Nam, would it have killed you to try and land without putting all of the bones in my body through a blender? Sorry, Leah. Namine hoped hopped down to stand beside him. Sorry. Leah continued complaining. I could have sworn I taught you better than that. No, Roxas smirked as he exited the ship. You really didn't. What? Cyan, I caught, sorry, I taught you to fly, right? I'm an okay pilot. Sorry, Leah. Cyan came next, shaking her head. It's true. Neither of you can fly straight to save your life. Well, that's because we're not straight. Leah and Namine spoke almost in unison. They exchanged a fist bump. We should get bumper stickers, Roxas snarked, waving a hand along as he read imaginary lines of text. Homosexual on board, please disregard the crazy flying. Also, if I recall, I actually taught Zion to fly, Issa remarked as he closed the hatch. Leah maturely stuck his tongue out. You're going to overheat in that coat, and I won't even pretend I didn't see it coming. Says the man wearing flannel, Isa levelly responded. I have to wear flannel to pride, Isa. Who would I be if I didn't? A little cooler? Kyrie sc scooched over to Namine. Are they always like this? She whispered. Namine nodded. It's like a constant soap opera. All right, Riku clapped his hands, perhaps a bit too loudly, but it was enough to distract the married couple bickering. We were just heading over to pick up flags for everyone. Do you five want to come with us? Hell yeah, Namine nodded. So Sora and Kairi and Riku led the other nine to the big tent. They'd scoop, they'd scooped, sco scoped, sorry, They'd scoped out earlier. Inside every square inch of space was housing fabric, striped in every combination of color. Flags hung from the ceiling, from the walls, and were folded neatly on tables, scattered throughout the space. Instantly, Aqua started seeing how many she could name. 
and there's the aromantic flag and the gender fluid flag. And right next to that is the poly flag. Aqua continued on examining each pattern. The others dispersed, but Kyrie stayed and watched her with a, a little bit of childish wonder. The woman who'd put a sword in her hands and who had protected her when she was just a kid, also able to rattle off the name of a dozen sexualities at the drop of a hat. You know this stuff really well, she commented. Aqua froze, and she glanced almost guiltily at Kyrie. Our master used to go to a similar kind of celebration, back in the land of departure. I guess I just, she cleared her throat, picked some things up. Not quite sure what to do. Kyrie knocked her shoulder against Aqua's. I'm sorry, she whispered. Aqua shook her head. Don't be sorry. It's more. That it's a decade later, and I'm still realizing everything he taught me. He's the reason I found my colors so early. She selected a bolt of purple, blue, and magenta from one of the piles on the table. A sad smile crossed her face. Then Aqua smiled resolutely. He was a good father. And with that, she selected her purchase and left for the register, Kyrie trailing after her. Scene is changing. And this is what I wear. Ventus held up a near monochrome flag striped with white, gray, black, and purple. He'd decided to show Vanitas around, leading him through the tent as he explained everything. It means, Ven, I know what my fucking flag looks like. Vanitas growled. Oh, Ven stared down at the fabric. Then his gaze shot back up. Wait, you're ace too? Obviously. Vanitas rolled his eyes. An awkward silence filled the air between them. Sorry, Van. I just assumed you didn't know. Ven tried to explain, but Vanitas just shrugged angrily. Yeah, well, some of us don't get amnesia every time we sneeze. Van. It was a low blow. One of their unspoken rules. The fabric slipped out of his hands, pulling on the table. He ducked his head, busying himself with refolding it, very stauntily not looking at Van. His other half sighed. It was... it was important. If I didn't remember being us, and being... He shoved his hands in his pockets, in the pockets of his jacket, then nodded at the flag in Ven's hands. That... I would have assumed it was because our heart was broken, that I was Ven softened. Of course, if he hadn't had his family, the knowledge of Iraq, Iroquois and Aqua, sorry, some of these names are, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really just not familiar with this, um, this universe. He might have assumed the same thing. We're not broken, Van. His response was so quiet that Ventus might not have heard it, not unless he knew to listen to Vanitas. Listen to the hoarse whisper he still spoke in sometimes, like he expected to be punished if he was heard. No, we're not. Ven smiled to himself. He ran his fingers over the stack of gray and white. With no words, he selected two. Van followed him to the register, trailing behind him as Ventus exchanged pleasantries with the cashier, handing over the money. They didn't say anything until they were back outside the tent. When Ventus struck, sorry, stuck out his arm, offering one of the twin flags to 
Vanitas. You don't have to wear it. Fuck off. He grabbed it, clutching it to his chest like a kid with a blanket. I'm going to. Scene is changing. She had to find Namine. She could answer the cold fear that was slowly uncurling in her... Sorry, she could answer the cold fear that was slowly uncurling in her chest. Zion scoured the crowd for that distinctive blonde head. It was a shockingly uncommon hair color when, when the entire color wheel was an option. Her sister was doodling in her sketch pad, leaning against a lamppost. She looked up and their eyes met. Smiling, she waved to Zion. Zion took a deep breath, then headed over. Namine, you like girls, right? Most definitely. She flipped her pad closed with a wump. Zion let out her shaky breath. Would you fall in love with me? What, like right now? Zai, at least give take me to dinner first, she laughed. The, then caught sight of Zion's blotchy red face. Instantly, her brows knit together, and she lay an unsteady hand on Zion's shoulder. Her voice was softer as she asked, Zai, what's wrong? I'm just... They didn't know what to say. They waved their arms around, unable to put words exactly to the anxiety that was gripping her. Now, I'm not a girl. Namine gave her shoulder a quick squeeze. Zion, I know. And she did know. The whole family knew. From conversations of them, all crumpled on their lumpy couch. The nights where Zion explained how she wasn't Sora. Wasn't Kyrie, That she couldn't be. Couldn't imagine a world where she was the boy who saved the world or a princess of heart. She was something in between. And Roxas and Namine understood and apologized for ever making her think they wouldn't love her just the same if she wasn't either. Leah cried a little. He'd been doing that a lot more since he lost his tattoos, and poked Isa in the side, saying, Guess we got the whole set. Sister, brother, and Sib. Isa had been the one to take her hands and ask her what she wanted to be called now, and Zion shook her head and said that she was still fine, but if everyone could sometimes use they, and then they did. It felt nice when they said it. Like someone finally, finally saw her. It was like when Roxas had seen her face for the first time. Visible. That was the feeling. Nam. Roxas. He only likes... They lost their words and just pointed across the street to where Roxas was talking to Sora. The bi stripes proudly tied around his shoulders. Understanding dawned on Namine's face. Zion, come on. I've got someone you can talk to. She dragged Zion down the street to a quaint little cafe on the corner. Outside, Riku and Kairi chatted at the table, cups of coffee in front of them. When Namine and Zion approached, though, one supporting the other, they set down their cups and turned. Zion's worried, Namine explained. About what? Kairi had the same face as her nobody, eyes wide and concerned. Oh, it's starting to thunder a little. Maybe it'll rain. I was, Zion started, but couldn't quite say it. They decided to start at the beginning. I was thinking about asking Roxas out. Kyrie gave us a soft whistle. Congratulations. She clearly didn't see the problem yet. Zion shook their head. But then we get here and he says he's bi. 
They waited, waited for her to get, to get it. Kyrie just tilted her head. You guys hadn't talked about that? I mean, kind of. I knew he wasn't straight. I just... Lights... It... Lights, it felt bad to admit. That... Uh, I don't know what they meant by that. Whatever. Continuing with the dialogue, it says... I assumed he was like Sora. Nobody's and their somebodies don't share a sexuality. Just look at me and the mine. I know that. I just hoped... Zion, what's the problem? He likes girls. It bursts out of them. And boys. And I'm not either of those. Riku, who'd been silently watching, put down his coffee cup and cleared his throat. That doesn't mean he won't like you. Yes, it does. I just said he... Zion, listen to me. He fiddled with the handle of his cup. Speaking as the only bisexual at this table, that's not what bi means. It's not like I can only be attracted to perfectly male or female people. This morning, I saw an envy so beautiful I almost fainted. I say I'm bi because I like people. I like guys, I like girls. People who are both. People who are neither. Sora and Kairi, they just like people. Period. End of sentence. He glanced at Kairi. Did I explain that right? Kyrie nodded. Zion stared at the table, mulling over his words. So you're saying you would like me? Yep. He made a face. Well, not you specifically. You're like a little sibling to me. But other people? People who are bi? People like rocks? Riku. Kyrie tapped the back of his hand. Let's leave them to it. Right. He looked a little embarrassed. Well, I can just say, talk to him. Tell him how you feel. Yeah, good things happen when you talk about your feelings, Kairi smiled, leaning over to playfully elbow Riku. And if you can wrangle your mutual second crush to appear with a convenient papo. Namine groaned. Ugh, we get it. You and your boyfriends are adorable. She turned back to her sibling. Feeling better, Zion? Zion nodded. The cold inside their chest, was starting to dissipate, warmed by Riku's words. Yeah, we should probably better get going before they tell us the whole 300k slow burn. Actually, Riku held out a hand. We were just about to catch up with a friend of Sora's. He's the one I was talking about earlier. Stick around, I think you two would get along. Cloud and Zion did have a lot of things in common. Same taste in coffee, one sugar, same taste in fashion, a little emo but still cute, and the same opinion on people who brainwashed their subordinates. Fuck them. They ended up getting along famously. Scene is changing. Tara had originally come up here to secure a spot for watching the light show Sid had promised. The grassy knoll had a perfect view, the city unfolding below, the sky a perfect blue dome overhead. But he wasn't the first one to arrive. A tall, blue-haired sorry, man was seated on the lawn, already gazing out. Tara cleared his throat. Isa, right? Yeah. Tara sat down. Isa was all curled in on himself, fingers fidgeting on his cuff. Are you all right? Yeah. His voice was a soft rasp, strangely familiar. Yeah. With that blue hair, Tara could imagine it was Aqua. In those days after the war, where she refused to talk about the realm of darkness, 
or Ven, in those early days when he'd just arrived at the castle, and had stared off into space in almost the same way. Both of them had needed time, but Tara had sat with them, waiting until they were ready to talk. When a person becomes a nobody, Issa began, after a few minutes of silence, Tara smiled, a little proud that his tired, his tried and true, sorry, technique had worked. Their physical form shifts around a little, becomes what they want, what they see themselves as. It's mostly just a little quality of life improvements. He sounded like he was reading off a doctor's clipboard, listing symptoms. All of us were in peak physical condition. Demi never had to buzz his undercut. Mira Leah always had pink nails. He bit his lip, but it can be aesthetic changes too. Leah, Axel's tattoos were like that, but for me, it clicked for Tara. Why his voice sounded familiar. He'd tried out that voice, low and quiet, when he was first testing things out. It was the body you'd always wanted. That obvious? Issa gave a low, humorless chuckle. Tara shook his head. No, I've just been down that road before. Oh. Issa shuffled in his seat, casting a quick gaze over the man beside him. It wasn't like he had some sort of sense for when he met someone like him. But Tara was a, well, he was the warrior, the famous keyblade wielder who def defied the possession of Sanort for twelve years. He was almost the archetypal knight, right out of the age of fairy tales, and he certainly looked the part. Tara nudged Issa's shoulder, knocking him out of his thoughts. I'm sorry, you're back in a body with dysmorphia after not having to deal with it for years. That sucks. Did you go through something similar? Issa asked. Tara leaned back, pondering the question. I don't remember much about being a nobody. I wasn't really in the driver's seat. Zemna's always sounded like he had his windpipe replaced with a double bass, Issa offered. A small smile, tugging at his lips. Tara laughed, lying back onto the grass. Yep, that was definitely me. He sat back up. I'm sorry, Isa. that sounds awful. I think I could deal with it. The problem is with Leah. He reached for his cuff again, and Tara caught sight of a strip of flannel, patched around the inside. Idly, Isa started rubbing his thumb over it. Really? Tara nodded at the fidget, clearly lovingly sewn. Isa blushed. Yes, with all this. He waved down at the city, decorated with an inch of its life. The main square, Leah chatted with a man in a leather jacket, the rainbow flag pinned to his back, bright as anything. I have to wonder if what he really wants is... No. I wasn't finished. Doesn't matter. Tara shook his head. You don't have to think like that, because it's not a question. Leah loves you. Even I can see that, and I've spent a total of 15 minutes with the guy. But would he love me more if... No. A lot of things could be said about Tara. In every way, he fit his chosen name so well, solid and strong as stone, built like a monolith. A bit dull, some might even say, dumber than a box of rocks. Those people were the kind that mistook easy trust with a lack of intelligence. Those people tended to have many academic achievements and few friends. But the one trait that Tara most embodied of the earth, the name he'd picked out 
when he was just a kid was that heaviness, the ability to plant oneself and say, I won't move, as stubborn as a boulder, the will that kept from being dominated at every, even after a decade. That lingered, even when it didn't have a body to house it. It was one of those things that made him a terrifying enemy. But it also made him a very good friend. Issa tried one more time. He opened his mouth, some argument on his tongue, about how Leah wouldn't want him like this. But he looked at those dark, determined eyes, and he found he couldn't say anything. But seriously, Tara grinned, and held out his fist. If you ever want a guy to talk with about this stuff, someone who isn't your boyfriend or a teenager, brothers? Isa hesitantly bopped his fist against Tara's. Brothers. Scene is changing. You two here to watch the fireworks? Sid called out from behind a teetering pile of rockets in his arms. Yuffie bounced beside him, technically supposed to be helping. Clearly, having not heard the news, Issa frowned. Fireworks? It's noon. They wouldn't even be visible. Y'all seemed real keen to forget that magic exists, Sid, gr Sid grunted. Issa, a familiar explosion of red hair, made a beeline for Issa. In almost a single motion, Leah threw himself into Issa's lap, wriggling around so he could look up at his boyfriend. Isa shared a glance with Tara, who just ran a hand through his hair and snorted. I better you find Aqua and Ven. Hey, Roxas, Cyan. Leah waved over the kids, who just crested the steps that crawled up the hillside. Isa saved us a spot. The two wandered over, flopping down on the grass. Roxas offered two wrapped rectangles. They're not as good as sea salt. Roxas apologized as Leah ripped off the plastic. It's perfect, he declared, holding up the layered multicolored popsicle, watching the sun sparkle through the ice. Issa smiled down at his boyfriend, those green eyes no longer decorated by tear marks. Idly, he took a bite off his own popsicle. They'd both changed so much since those early days of frisbee and pranks and lazy summer days, but Leah was always Leah and Isa was always Isa, and that was more than enough. Scene changing. Riku and Kyrie were next, chatting happily as they made their way up the stairs, Kyrie apparently unbothered by the weight of her second boyfriend, who was clinging to her shoulders piggyback style. The second she was off the flagstones and on the soft grass, Kyrie laughed and leaned into Riku. From her back, Sora leaned over to press a kiss to his temple, the three of them stood like that for a second, until Kyrie groaned. Sora, sweetie, I need to let you down now. What? Kyrie? I'm sorry, but Riku's hand desperately needs to be held. Okay, fair point. Hey! He slipped as Kyrie suddenly dropped him, landing on dirt with a thump. Kyrie grinned. Sorry. She held up her hand, fingers triumphantly cur curled around Riku's. It was an emergency. Oh, well, in that case... He widened his eyes, blinking innocently up at his partners. Like a toddler, he held up both arms, wiggling his fingers. Riku and Kyrie smiled softly, then stepped forward, slotting their free hands into Sora's. Sora pulled them both to the ground. Sora! Riku laughed. The three of them were, in a, were a tangle. Legs and arms all interlinked. With some wriggling, he shifted to a more comfortable position. His head resting on Kyrie's chest, 
and a hand cupping Sora's wrists. Looking up at the sky, beautiful and blue and perfect, Riku closed his eyes and listened to the heartbeats of the two he loved most. Scene is changing. The wayfinders were last up the hill, three sets of footsteps on the stone stairs. Ven had elected to just hover a few inches off the ground, which Vanitas loudly complained was unfair. Just learn air magic, or make friends with a pixie, Ventus said as he spun a slow circle, calling down as he watched his friends stagger up the last few stairs. Vanitas glared. Pixies are completely unfriendly. Actually, Aqua commented as she reached the top. Pixies are just too small to feel more than one emotion at a time. So they could be happy and kind. But they chose not to, Vanitas interrupted. He nodded knowingly, because they're evil. Not all fairies are evil, Vanitas. She huffed as she sank down onto the grass, frowning at him. She twisted open a water bottle, though, admittedly, the one at Neverland was a little... Wait, wait, Tara flopped down beside her. I thought we were talking about pixies. Fairies are totally different. Lights, it's finally happening. Ventus slowly let go of his magic, sinking down beside the two of them. Immediately, Terra and Aqua whirled to look at the, to look at him, brows furrowed. When, Ven? What's, what's finally happening? You have someone to lecture at who isn't me. Aqua flicked her fingers and cast the smallest water spell she knew, spraying tiny drops all over Ventus. He jumped back like a cat being scolded. What an adorable little family, Vanitas drawled. Tell me, how old is your youngest? Ventus stopped the rebuttal, sorry, the retributional spell he'd been about to cast, tilting his head to the side, almost like he actually had to think about it. Technically, Vanitas, you're the youngest. What? I was talking about you light-infested weirdos and your ragtag little family. Yeah, and? Ventus pushed his bangs out of his face and stared up at him. Vanitas frowned and crossed his arms, tapping the toe of one foot on the ground. Yeah, and I'm not... The thought stopped there, as he took in Ven's wide, blinking eyes, Tara's firm nod and Aqua's half-grimace, half-smile. It hit him. Dramatically, he let out a blood-curdling groan, sinking to his knees and banging his forehead on Ven's shoulder. Fuck, I'm one of you weirdos, aren't I? Ventus laughed, as he patted him on the back. Yeah, welcome to the family. Scene is changing. The mind was perched on the lowest branch of a tree. Sketchpad spread across her legs. Originally, she'd wanted to draw the skyline, all of those brilliant banners snapping in the wind. Then, as her family and friends from across the worlds slowly filtered in, she started drawing them. The people sprawled and curled together across the grass. But no matter how much she scribbled and shaded, she kept getting distracted. She found herself just staring, not even trying to draw. They were all just so happy. Colorful all together like this, with flags and blankets and pennants, adding vibrancy to every square inch. And no matter how many times she tried the composition, something was missing. Hesitantly, then with a bit more confidence, she slipped her gummy phone from her pocket. Anchoring herself on one branch, she spread... She spread her arm back behind her, gesturing excitedly to the focus of the photo, like she'd seen Sora do on Kinstagram. 
She was sure to capture the flag hanging from her sleeve, the orange and pink stripes she was wearing as a cape, and behind her, her big messy family, sunning themselves in the grass. Hey, everyone, she shouted out. Every face turned to her. Right at that moment, the fireworks went off. People were preoccupied with watching the sky light up after that, but for that one second, she'd somehow managed to get everyone looking at the camera. She selected the photo and looked it over, her smile widening with every second. There was Namine, of course, filling a good portion of the screen. Behind her sat Leah and Isa, reclining against each other, and Zion, hesitantly making a grab for Roxas's hand. Riku and Kyrie snuggled around Sora, who had somehow found the time to pose, throwing up a peace sign. Aqua and Terra, their broad shoulders a perfect backdrop for Vanitas, who looked like he and Ventus in some sort of headlock, and was aggressively ruffling his hair. Behind all of them, the residents of Radiant Garden all pointed and smiled at the fireworks overhead. The glowing sparks lit up everything, highlighting every color. The oranges and the mine's flag, the red in Leah and Kyrie's hair, the yellow stripe on the flags slung over Zion's shoulders and rumbled under Sora and Kyrie. The brilliant blues of Aqua and Isa, the bright sky colors that he and Terra proudly bared, the green of Vanita's eyes, the royal purple that wrapped around him and his other half. Namayan smiled to herself. A perfect rainbow. Author's notes just says, Happy Pride Month. Alright, this has a pretty good amount of kudos on it and seven comments. CC Leotarlyton says, This was so wonderful, I don't know where to start. It's a true gift and one everyone should appreciate, even if some of ships or identity headcanons aren't their preferred. It was a true celebration and inclusion of many different identities without seeming like you were just checking things off. It was sweet. It was funny. It was emotional. I just adored it, and the next time I read it, because I'm sure there will be a next time, I'll note specifics. Philly Chain 23 says, This is such a good fic and rep. Zemna's always sounded, or sorry, quote, Zemna's always sounded like he had his windpipe replaced with a double bass, end quote. That's him indeed. Wish I had a voice like that too. I loved that the reference to Cloud's black and blue dress. Salt Hat says, mm, yes, pride. Zach, and then a bunch of emojis. Uh, they're quoting, and uh, they're quoting, they're quoting, and then they say, yeah, I would love to rave on Olympus on the day of Hercules and Dionysus. ASDF. Okay, the flower gag was funny. Uh, then they quote something and say yes, with heart emojis. They quote something else and say ASDF. They quote something else and say, okay, the shade. Quote something else and say, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, FF7 remake drag, yes. Oh shit, yellow and purple? He, they, cloud? Perhaps gender fluid cloud instead? NB cloud in general? My life is complete and I can die happy. Oh my fucking god. Crying emojis? They quote something else and then they say, there, there it is. OP will shake your hand furiously. 
Reminds me of when Cloud says, nailed it, I know, after Tifa points out his fit. Uh, then we have the okay hand symbol emoji. Um, wow, this is very long. Oh, th this is a little too long to read, but uh, I, I just get the idea that they really like this pic, which is great. Um, author responds to this by saying, Oh my god, this is one of the most wonderful pair of comments I've ever had the fortune to read. I'm so happy that you enjoyed the fic. Smiley face. And then Salt Hat, uh, comments back, Well, you very obviously deserve more. This is a human rights violation. <laughs> and then Dra says, This is the cutest shit I've ever seen. Ah, I love you. Well, that was quite the ride. I um, commend you if you have sat with me for this long. It was a very long read, but um, I think it was worth it. I, I feel like the author did a really good job, and this does make a very good uh, pride fanfiction to read. So um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, say if you want to read more from this author, um, their username on Archive of Our Own is uh, capital N Needs, capital M More, and then capital A and capital U. So it reads Needs More AU with no spaces. And this particular fanfiction that we read was Colors of Our Hearts, which is a Kingdom Hearts fanfiction. So yeah. And then, as always, if you have any idea of what you want me to read next, what fandoms you want me to read from next, please let me know about that, and I will most likely be happy to oblige. Happy Pride, and uh, thanks for listening to this one. <laughs>